Hello and welcome to the City Press, an international friendly. We're coming to you after a 3-0 St. Louis win over the San Jose earthquake. We are joined by Patrick Stark. Great to be here. Excited to be here. Nathan Halley. I believe it's 3-0. The three of us were at the game at City Park. We're also joined by our man in Hanoi, Chris Hoff. Chris, how, how was the game on TV? Uh, amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Well, let's dig into it. Real quick, though, Chris, what are you using to watch it over there? This is a great time to plug the um, very convenient and effective Apple TV Plus platform that they've got up and running this season. Oh, that works for you. Oh, I guess they did want to make it worldwide. Not a sponsor. Worldwide, yes. Yet. Yet. Not a sponsor yet. Not but a sponsor. Integrated partner of the MLS, which is what we're talking about here. So. And how's that quality? Even in Vietnam, pretty good? Good quality. Good quality. Yeah. So, Well, let's get into it. City never really looked in danger. It was a much less stressful game than any of the other three that we've seen. I agree. And it looked like San Jose just never really got a whole lot together, which I was surprised by given their previous performance. The stats might disagree with you, especially in that second half. Um, looking back at the first half, I think the the XG of San Jose was less than a third of a goal or around that mark. And then they finished up uh, with an XG just short of two goals at 1.89, which came mostly in that second half. They did have the chances. Yeah, there were a couple of times in the second half where I think we got pretty lucky that they didn't. They didn't score. They had that one across the front of the net that really. That's true. Slightly better. Um, a defensive a giveaway there leading into that. But uh, our man Berkey came up with a clutch save as well. Yeah, I think that was the, the other one. So the defense looked all right, even without Parker, without Blom. Yeah, they were OK. Um, they were. There were some tense moments of ball possession in our own end, but yeah. it's probably more just. They don't necessarily look comfortable on the ball, but I don't know how much there was danger in the San Jose press. We had some quality goals, I would say. What did we, what did we think of the three, the three goals? They were, I think, a step in the right direction, but if we, if we do break them down, they all end up being a little fluky again. The first goal, that initial cross probably should have been been played better by that San Jose defender. And I doubt makes it to Jokini. But he was able to put poke it in after after bouncing off of I believe bouncing off of the the defender. The commentators on my on my uh, feed pointed out very astutely that it looked like uh, Joaquini just wanted it more. I know that's a cliche, but he fought through the contact and was the first to the ball to nick it in with the outside of his foot beyond the keeper. So, I mean, it was a really lovely last touch to, yeah, it was to get it true. Talking about fighting through the contact. What did we think of Klaus's goal? That man, he's more than a man. Oh yeah. I'm loving it. He's, it's like he feeds off of, of the, the physicality. Anybody on his shoulder just gives him energy and he, he feeds off of that and he's turning it into, to goals, assists, beautiful moments for this team. He really likes to do these cute little flicks behind him or sideways. Like that's definitely his thing. He's got this surprising timing a lot of times. Like he'll just do the touch you're not expecting. And it's like a, a, it's short and it's 
gentle and feathered and like he'll nutmeg the man or he'll just put it where the the defender doesn't expect it just a tiny little feathered touch all the time i love it that's that brazilian magic coming through but let's talk about the real highlight of the game what do we think is the brazilian magic that leads to that celebration we got after the goal what do we think of that a recurring theme is his inability to do the classic knee slide celebration he gets about two meters uh, through the through the slide and then he tumbles down or something it's uh that's how you know chris is our international man talking in meters i'm gonna try and i'm gonna defend him unsuccessfully but i think there were some issues with that part of the pitch (laughs) it seemed like other people were having problems although theirs seemed to be falling and sliding so the types of problems you think would have maybe led to a better celebration. Do you think it's possible there was some ice forming well, some frost on the grass or something? Right. But that seems like it wouldn't have led to the exactly. I honestly thought maybe he did it on purpose. I would like to draw your attention to him celebrating the Joachini goal as well, where he also failed to slide correctly. <laughs> oh, I, I missed that. I missed that in the stadium. It's worth checking the replay. You know, from the perspective of a of a tall guy, you don't want to stress out your knees any more than you have to. You know, I, I think maybe it's strategic. It's just an injury prevention thing. Let it happen naturally. When the knees get to the point where they're, it's uncomfortable, then just tumble down, you know? But that's a lot of weight to fall on a knee at once. He's a big man. I was glad to see that they pulled him out in the 60th minute or whatever and gave him some time to rest. It felt like they pulled him early because of the celebration. <laughs> well, he also... We're worried he'd scored another goal. There was something else where he he went down. It felt like it was time to to get him out of there, which I was glad because really liked watching a Denneran play coming on. I was going to say that substitution, a Denneran name, he had some, some pretty touches, some nice opportunities. He was playing aggressively. Like I, yeah. I was He's fun. becoming one of my favorite players on this squad. A Denneran? Yeah. I agree, actually. I yeah. think I'd like to see more of him. Absolutely. Another big man, good with his feet, who's tricky and, and has that sort of subtle, deceptive touch that he's used. Uh, didn't get a goal today, but it was very close a couple times. Very close. Yeah. I do have one, was able to see the Klaus replay one time. Was he initially trying to pass that ball, did it look like? Does anyone comment on this? It looks like an intercepted pass that ended up with him breaking through four defenders before gently placing the ball betwixt the goalie's legs. It was a no-look pass attempt that uh, didn't come off, but was reminiscent to someone we talked about on our last episode, Roberto Firmino, who is well-known for attempting the no-look pass, the no-look shot, the no-look step over. Who knows? He, He just doesn't look at the ball most of the time or his teammates. And uh, I think that's the Brazilian uh, school coming in here. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, and again, I think it's one of those situations where he just seemed to want it more than the four defenders surrounding him. Again, four defenders just battling. <laughs> yeah, he, he just bulldozered that. Well, so other than Adenarin, we also had the Ostrak substitution leading to a goal, the third goal of the night. You got to be really happy for him. Been, uh, put in as a substitute and and justified his coach's faith and and got the the goal that really put the whole thing to bed. Yeah, after that goal San Jose sort of seemed like 
they were done. I mean, they had a couple more opportunities. They pretty much seemed over it at that point. It was cold and they were ready to go back to to where it's warm. <laughs> In fact, and I think, Chris, what you said is, is right. You really got to be happy for them. Did they show, it looked like Carnell called him over and gave him a hug after his goal. Did they show that on the dream? I didn't catch that. Oh, but that does remind me, we did get some sort of confirmation that before the game, they announced you know, the players and then the coach also, and they said Carnell. So we'll take that as we had a question in episode one about the pronunciation. So at least the stadium announcer is going with Carnell. I know that's not quite what you wanted, Chris, but. I mean, we can, we can make it whatever we want as the fastest growing STL city podcast, potentially future sponsored by Apple. Pretty powerful spot, to be honest. Remains to be seen. My other thoughts on the game were I thought Perez had a horrific game when he came in. Just really, really played poorly tonight. Well, Um, I think almost every pass he made went to a San Jose player. It was pretty far past his bedtime, to be fair. Um, So that was that was a bummer. But my man, Edward Leuven, I think clearly best player on the team. I think Leuven gets a lot of credit for that goal. He forced the possession there. Even beyond that, I mean, he's just completely commanding the the midfield. He's always there. He is a smooth operator, that man. He really is. He's you could you watch him, and you're like, oh, he could play in a league that isn't quite as shithousy as this. He's got quality. So that that makes me think of uh, something that's been uh, bouncing around my mind these last few weeks. Obviously, we were pegged as you know, just bottom of the table fodder for the other team's uh, expansion team coming in. It seems that now, four games, four wins, uh, it's clear that all of the pundits have totally underrated the personnel on this team. And do you think this is just an issue of lazy sports writing, poor research, or is, is it just that these players are really performing above and beyond anything they've ever done before. Lowen especially uh, came in, is our one of our DPs, and I don't know, is it the league? Is it the quality? Is it the opponents? Is it just the, the, the drive from these individual players? What do you think, guys? So I think a couple of things. I think about that a lot. I think one, lazy sports writing. A lot of these players are not necessarily names that if, oh, well, I just pay attention to the MLS or whatever that, that you would have known. I think the leadership of the team spent a lot of time and like really watching a lot of games, trying to find people that, that fit the system. And I think there's more talent there than, than they thought. I, I remember reading an article before the season started that said that we basically had an MLS next level roster, like a reserve team roster. And that, that just doesn't hold up. You watch these guys and there's, there is talent out there. I mean, Giorchini is is running around and making that that nice goal, but beyond that, playing really well. So I think a couple of things. I think lazy sports writing, underappreciating the amount of work that that Lutz and Carnell did. I think also the the system that they're playing in. Like you watch and they they press man and they force those mistakes, and it's like really obvious how what they're aiming for. I'm not sure that that people gave credit to like, Hey, they've actually been working together for a while 
to come together as a team. And then also it's four games in. So I was talking to my sister when we were leaving the game and it's like, are we good? Are we like, like, I don't know. It's, it's wild. It's exciting. I mean, statistically we're good. Points wise, we're good. Yeah. And I think we, I think we are. I think there's, I struggle like with that comment about, oh, we're an MLS next level roster. Like, no, there's, there's good players. Like, and even coming off the bench, Adenarin's good. I like what Celio brings coming down the wing, especially late in the game. You get some fresh legs in there. Like, there's talent on this team. So it's easy to say, oh, well, it's a new team. They're going to suck and not think about it. Anymore. You called Celio with the ball hog. There was a, it works for him, you know, he got the corner. It's a different kind of Brazilian play. What are your thoughts, Chris? I think that just they didn't know about Klaus. They didn't know about Edward Lowe. And they didn't know about this coaching staff because they just didn't have a body of work to look at uh, with all the, the pieces of this project assembled. Ostrak, Vasilev, Jokini, these are guys who are good enough uh, to to be in the position at the top of the MLS table. We haven't even seen some of our projected preseason projected starting players uh, because of injuries. Um, there has been a lot of rotation in this squad, and it doesn't matter who comes in. They're filling the role. They're doing the work. They're getting the results. You're talking about Miguel Perez, and he made a lot of errant passes, uh, pretty much like four in a row at one point. But then you see him sprinting back and getting back in the mix, and his pass percentage was uh, completion percentage was probably very poor, but his ball winning and his work rate off the ball was excellent. He received the ball because he was nicking it away from the opponents. He received the ball because he was getting into good positions. Uh, when he turned up field and, and made attempted to make passes, they they didn't come off. I think that I don't want to undersell him or or be cliche, but that they look like a young man making questionable decisions. Maybe he takes a step back, he rolls the ball back, and he uh, recycles play. I don't think he needs to be the one to be making the the killer forward pass. I think we want Lowen to be doing that most Vasilev. Probably. Well, and it's nice that the team is is getting him that experience, getting him that confidence. They're in situations where they can put him in, get him to a point where later in the season he'll be confidently able to play out there. And that makes me think, sorry to jump in again, but that makes me think of another concept that we probably should learn more about in the in the coming weeks which is this homegrown player concept and the implications of i think that there are specific rules about having to include homegrown players in in rosters and in certain cup competitions and getting him that experience and the reps uh, under high pressure situations is going to pay dividends down the road it, it seems to also mean that you still have to go to high school which that's a lot to have to deal with Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right, though. The, him, but the whole team, like off the ball, their work rate is insane. They lose it, but they don't give up. They, The forwards come back, and I'd be dead after two minutes. But these guys work like crazy, and I, that's working for them. All right. We've got a couple topics lined up for future podcasts. We've got what is XG. We've got <laughs> homegrown talent. We're going to dive into those right now. Final thoughts. Patrick, what did you think? I had one thing to add about why we're doing what we're doing. And this is the, my timeline may be a little bit off, but I think COVID. Uh, I think enough was in place pre-COVID. And then we had a, a basically the team pushed back a year 
So a lot of these ground structures were able to be implemented basically for an extra year. So there are things in place that you wouldn't expect for a normal ex- final thought is man, this is incredible Four and no, I thought the defense did very well without Parker holding in there. I thought that was great. It was good to see Ostrock and Jokini finally getting their goals because they've been, been all over it. So very excited to see both those guys finally get a goal because they've been working hard. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, what more can you think? They're four and oh, like never would, would we have expected this? I don't think we would have probably been thrilled with one and three. I, I think they're super fun to watch. It's really fun to follow a team this in depth. Chris, I'm ready for you to be in St. Louis so you can see the games in person because it yeah, right. it's just a whole different level to be able to, you know, watch off the ball and track whatever you want. Yeah, it's just a great ride. I, I don't know what what more to say other than I think it's going to be a great season. I guess the thing to say is we're at 12 points now. I mean, that's a huge amount of points to have in the bag. Like, I think we have to be thinking about, okay, well, maybe we do sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Chris, man from Hanoi. I'd like to use my final moments to uh, acknowledge Lucas Bartlett, the 25-year-old backup who came in for Parker. Uh, He'd only played five minutes in the league before today and was brilliant and and handled every uh, challenge asked of him and kept, I guess, Jeremy Abovese the, I mean, he had scored in I guess every game so far, or two out of the three games they they played, and he had a very quiet night. Uh, all of the risk was mitigated by that back line, and Lucas Bartlett deputizing. I'm very happy for. Him. All right, that'll do it for tonight. Uh, next podcast, we'll look ahead to the Real Salt Lake game. We'll decide maybe is that a bad name or worst name for a team in the MLS. Tune I, in next time. Is there any question? Well, we'll find out. All right. Congratulations, fans. See you later.